Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Welcome, welcome. Is it July 4th weekend? Is anybody else just confused as to what's going on? I just keep thinking, do I I have to go to work tomorrow? Like, what is going on with my life? Technically, I'm kind of my boss. I guess Braden could tell me, but maybe I just won't go in. Don't tell him. He's not here. So I'm just going to skip tomorrow. I'm going to play hooky. No, it is weird because I think, I think last year it was on Monday. Or if it is on Tuesday, shouldn't you just get Monday off? What is going on? Like the world doesn't believe in rest. I feel like preaching this morning. Can I get a witness, somebody? <laughs> hey, we can have church. We can have full-blown church if you want to have it today. I'll start shouting, sweating. I think, what is, is this a handkerchief? What's good? It's prophetic. They put it up here already. But no, so excited. Hey, my name's Josh. For those of you who don't know, I'm the executive pastor. Always honored to share. I love to preach and teach and so uh, do my best to try to share whatever I feel the Lord telling me and hope it blesses you and encourages you today. So I'm going to teach a message called The Garden. The Garden. If you are taking notes, you can write that down. And we're going to be reading out of Genesis 2 mainly, and I'm going to reference Genesis 3. So why don't we just get this thing going? I want to share a quick story before I read. So I have these random things happen from time to time, and I'm pretty sure some of you do too. But recently, I have lost a pocket knife. How many of you know it? Just, you just, men love knives, all right? So I, I lost my knife a few months ago, one of my pocket knives, and I just thought, it probably just fell out. Like yesterday, the other day, I was at the, Saturday, I was at, or I was at the movies the other day, and yeah, that was yesterday. See, I just don't know what's going on with my life, you guys. I have two kids. They're really little. They're really loud. They're constant. We don't sleep. Just pray for us. But my wallet, like I literally went, I paid for food with my wallet. Then I go to the theater. We come out and I let my three-year-old play a couple games, and I, I look to my wife. I'm like, I don't. I guess I left my wallet at home. Like, how do you forget that quickly? Like, you just brought your wallet. Like I said, pray for me. But, anyways, this is where we're at. And so, a few months ago, I, I, I lost my wallet to the best of my ability. Uh, that's what I thought, at least, and just figured, you know, it fell out, something like that. Well, a couple weeks ago, I go to to find a pair of shorts in my closet because I haven't worn shorts in a while due to the weather, but now it's getting hotter, so there's multiple shorts I'm wearing now, and I go grab a pair of shorts, and what do I find? My pocket knife, praise Jesus. But if I'm being honest, I felt like the Lord spoke to me. Does anybody else have these random experiences happen? But I grab my pair of shorts, and I grab my knife, and this thought just came to my head, and I felt the Lord say, Sometimes you have to go put on something you haven't worn in a while to find something you thought you lost. It's like, okay, I'm tracking with you, Lord. And and I just start thinking. One of my favorite pastors says this all the time. When people ask, how do you stay so passionate about God? And how do you preach and teach so passionately after all these years? And he says this phrase, I've never gotten over getting saved. And I think for some of us, it's really important to go backwards in order to go forward. I think we have to go back and we have to remember 
what God has done in your life. Maybe just raise your hand if you grew up in church. If you've been, it's the largest percentage in here. The rest of us are heathens, but uh, I was actually a little bit of both, if I'm being honest, and some of you were too. But when you grow up in church, you have all these experiences with God, which are absolutely incredible and foundational, right? But you know the danger that you would become familiar and not stay excited. And God is doing something. One of the ways you do it is you start to tap in to, to, to this mindset that you're praying for someone else today to experience what you've already experienced. You're fighting on their behalf or you're praying on their behalf. So this is kind of a theme I think the Lord is speaking to me about. And I want to talk along these lines. But to paint a picture, we're just going backwards today. And we're going back to Genesis, which means the beginning. And sometimes it's just really important to go back to the beginning to get some, some reference for what God is doing and saying. So let's read. We're going we're gonna to start by reading Genesis 2, verse 7 through 9, if you have your Bibles. You can turn there. If not, I think we'll throw it on the screen. And i got to drink some water already. There it is. Let's do this. I don't even have to open my Bible, y'all. I'm ready. Let's read. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted, in, planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." So this is talking about the formation of man. If you go back and read Genesis, in Genesis 1, it talks about the six days of creation and the seventh day known as the Sabbath or rest. So the six days of creation, he creates land and water, the skies, stars, the moon, the sun, animals, plants, trees, all this stuff. And then the sixth day, he creates us. And then the seventh day, he rests, which means you guys are a lot of work. Have you ever thought about that? He didn't rest after any of the other days. He's like, people are a lot of work. I need to rest. But that's what he does. And then in Genesis 2, it goes back and he starts talking about man and woman and creation. And this is where we pick up in Genesis 7, which the first line, if you guys would throw that back up on the screen. Wait for it. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Can I just tell you something? I think it's really important, and God is showing us something by this verse, verse 7, where he takes natural soil, natural dirt from the earth, and uses it as a structure to breathe his spirit or his life into. God really cares about the natural. You know, you know, there's so many situations I, I can speak confidently to this because my natural bent is more spiritual. It just is what it is. Everybody's not wired that way. It's not a good or bad thing or a right or wrong thing. But the majority of my life throughout all of schooling, throughout college and everything, th there was a disconnect. Even though my degree's in exercise and sports science and I was an athlete, that made sense to me. But it was like I was never really passionate and didn't really connect with all the subjects until years later when the Lord told me to go to Bible school, it just all made sense to me. I'm not saying I was perfect or genius in it, but it made sense and it clicked because I, I naturally thought spiritually. Well, everybody's not wired that way. So for me, my journey 
a lot of my journey has been, has been me learning to grow in the natural. Learning, you know, there's people I've met along the way uh, that have even said things like, you know, I've studied the IRS and this and that, and I think it's corrupt, so I'm not going to pay my taxes. I'm like, well, that's a natural thing that's a pretty big deal. You know, but there are circumstances like that. Jesus said, pay to Caesar what is Caesar's, so I would just pay your taxes if I were you, just a heads up. But, but there's all these natural things, and it's like, you may be in a job situation today, and you're like, well, I don't have to submit to my boss. I don't like this structure. I don't like this organization. You know how many people say, I don't like organized religion? And my first response is, I don't either. That's actually not what Jesus came to establish. But, but what they're really saying is, I don't like structure. Because I don't want to be controlled. I want to be in control. But I'm just trying to help you today. God is really passionate about natural structure. It, it, here, point number one. When we resist natural structure, we restrict the Spirit of God from moving in our life. When you push it away, and trust me, it can be a natural thing to want to push it and buck it. I've done it. Man, here's the thing. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So for me in my life, I did grow up in church, but I also kind of lived the party life and one foot in, one foot out. Never really lived for God, even though I went to church. But I never, I never was taught and saw a healthy model of being committed to the local church and being submitted to leadership. I had a great relationship with my dad, but I didn't see it modeled, so I didn't understand. And God, it literally took me on this journey all the way to accepting a job here and moving to Midland to work for this church to show me the importance of the local church and submission to leadership and all that. And so it's really incredible, and I've seen the Spirit of God move in my life from simply embracing the natural. If right off the bat, God creates us and uses that as a framework or structure, how many of you know it's really important? The natural is really important to God. So let's move on. Ephesians 4 says that God made some apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Do you know you can't be disconnected and perfected at the same time? God made these gifts for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And can I just help you out? Every single one of you is called to ministry in this place. Whether you work for a church or not, that, that's not the point. But every single one of us is called to share the gospel, to, to live a life where we're helping people grow in their relationship with God by modeling our relationship with him. And there are certain gifts that perfect that. And if you're disconnected from the local church, you'll never be perfected. Like God has these gifts all around us in the church that he's constantly trying to, to sharpen you and to encourage you and to strengthen you, to lift you up, but to correct you, to challenge you, also that you will grow into perfection so that you can help people. And if you're disconnected, you won't be perfected. But so many times, like I said, people are just like, well, I have my relationship with God. And it's just me and him. You know, I've done the whole church thing, but it's just my relationship with God. Look, I, I say this all the time, but intimacy with God apart from people's false intimacy. It's not real because this is a system or the structure that he created. So it's really important. You know, we have life groups that are going to launch in the middle of September. And you can sign up to be a life group leader coming up in the next few weeks. But this is what I tell people all the time. Life groups aren't the answer to help people 
get into relationship. They're simply an on-ramp. So life groups aren't the answer. Being in community, choosing, simply choosing to be in relationship and community is the answer. But life groups are simply an on-ramp. So in other words, they're a natural structure that, that within the church we help create to help you do relationship and live in relationship with people. Does that make sense? So it's not the answer, but it is a structure. Once again, God really cares about the natural. He really cares about structure. You can't be disconnected and perfected at the same time. So now let's read. Let's jump back. Genesis 2. We're going to read 8 through 9 and then talk about that for a minute. Can we throw that up on the screen too? Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, God creates man, <laughs> creates a garden, puts, creates trees, and puts man in the garden. So this is what God is doing, creating us, creating the garden, putting us in the garden, and then I'll tell you in a minute what he tells man to do. But let's just talk about the garden for a minute. This is one of those, like, I love to look up words and do word study and try to get deeper revelation, but garden simply means garden. <laughs> It's just kind of straight to the point. And I was like looking for some deep revelation, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to drop this bomb of revelation. It's like uh, garden meets garden. Okay. <laughs> but it actually helps. Eden has, has some spiritual implications that you can study. It's pretty cool. But, but the garden simply means a garden. So when you think about a garden, it's this natural structure or environment that growth and life takes place in. You can plant herbs and spices and, and vegetables and fruits, trees. You can plant all these things in it, but how many of you know you don't plant them to die? You plant them to grow and bring life. So can I just help you? Here's what the garden is. It's simply the presence of God. God creates man, and he creates a natural structure or environment for man to live in, to walk with, talk with, and live in continual communion with man. It's his presence. And it's so amazing because it's inside of us when we accept Jesus. It's all around us. It's like the presence of God isn't just at church. Come on. The presence of God isn't limited to a certain building or geographical area. The presence of God is all around us, but how he set it up from the beginning is that you would thrive and live with him in continual communion in this place. This is the garden. So remember, God created man, created the garden, and put man in the garden. So the next thing he tells us is really, really important, and this is man's job description. This is kind of the meat of the message. If you don't hear anything else, you need to lean into this. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. Let's read that. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. We'll come back to the second part. But the first verse, he took man, put him in the garden to work it and keep it. When you study that, it means to cultivate, to guard, and protect. If the garden is the presence, 
As a man, your job description is to cultivate, guard, and protect the presence of God. Can I help you out? As a man, your job assignment is not to get married. It's not to work in the oil field. Those may be a part or that actually is probably a big element for many of you in this room to be married and to work in the oil field or whatever industry or capacity. Your job plays a part in it, but that's not your assignment. God set this thing up from the very beginning. Remember, if we go back to the start, we see, wow, (laughs) he creates us. He creates the garden, this area that his presence reigns in. He puts us in it, and he says, you have to work this. You have to cultivate it, guard it, and protect it. Can I just tell you something? This may jack with some of you. This was all before woman was created. I'm telling you, say it's good, but you better do it, men. You're like, that's good. Oh, snap, that's me. That's on you, bro. It's true, though. Your job assignment is not to get married and work for a certain company. It's to guard, protect the presence of God. It's to cultivate it. So you have to value the presence of God above everything else in your life. Your assignment is to value and prioritize the presence of God above everything else. And look, this is what happens. So God does this. He creates man, creates a garden, puts him in the garden. Here's your job assignment. Guard it, protect it, cultivate it, take care of it. And then it says he creates woman out of the rib. The Bible's just crazy. I don't know all of what it means, but he creates woman out of man and then brings her to man. Can Can I just help you out? All the single people in the room, if you're drawn to a man outside of the garden, it's the wrong man. And if you're drawn to a bunch of men in the garden, it's probably the wrong thing too. <laughs> Just trying to help you out. You're like, well, I'm not. I'm drawn to about 30 men right now. That's a problem too. <laughs> but at least they're in the garden. <laughs> Look, dude. Honestly, I preached at young adults a few weeks ago, and I'm just going to be honest, I got really carried away. <laughs> I said some things I shouldn't say. I went to Steve. I was like, I think we need to edit that podcast. <laughs> but I'll probably cross a couple lines. <laughs> but the truth is, my story is not the typical story, but, but, I, but I think it might be pretty biblical. I'm not saying it's the only way, but I literally prayed this prayer years ago. As I started living for God, and I remember, I can say it confidently because I didn't live for God for a long time, and then I did, so I knew the difference. So some of you have grown up in church, and you've lived a, a pretty good life, and a, you have a strong relationship with God, or you have most of your life. Mine wasn't really in that place all of my life. But as I started living for God and growing in this, went to Bible school, did a few different things, and I was ready to get married. I was ready to have a relationship, but I, I found myself praying this prayer. And this is just me being honest. I'm not trying to sound overly spiritual or make you feel bad if you never pray this prayer. But I prayed a prayer and I said, Lord, I don't know how to pursue you with everything I have and pursue a woman at the same time. 
Like, <laughs> there, I, and I said that honestly, there's probably a part of me because of the way I'm wired that there, there may be something negative in that. Or my, my theology might be a little off or maybe I'm a little too hardcore here or there. But can I just tell you what God said? Okay, I'll make it work. So I was not actively pursuing a woman. Why? Because I was fulfilling my job assignment. Guarding, protecting, and cultivating the garden. I was so focused on growing with God and giving him everything and laying down everything and surrendering everything to God that when I met certain women, I was like, I don't know that I know what to do. Because to be completely honest, I knew how to pursue them with everything. Because <laughs> I did that before. But once I started living for God, he started working these things out. And long story short, I met Lindsay and she Facebook stalked me. So <laughs> I just, I just kind of wanted to go straight to it. I don't... But <laughs> It's kind of true. I'm joking. Uh, obviously, well, that's a fact. But we met each other, right? Some of you heard the story. We met each other at a basketball camp helping friends uh, coach this organization. And we do basketball camps and different things. And we met. We're definitely attracted. You, you could tell there was a connection. But I was moving across the country, the opposite side of the country. She's going to Michigan, finished grad school. I'm going to California to go to another Bible training experience in school at Bethel. And so we're doing this, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know, like, how to do this. I think she's attractive. I think she, she, she loves the Lord. But so I just laid it all out there, told her all the crazy stories about Jesus. And then when I was done, I was like, so what do you think? She said, I actually think that's really attractive. I think that's a good start, actually. <laughs> and here's what I realized. There's something inside every woman that's drawn to a man in the garden. If you disagree, just go read the Bible. It's how God set it up. And, and if it doesn't happen, I, I would encourage you. I think it should. And, and I'll help you out towards the end. If, if you are married already, we, we can learn from this too. But if you're not, maybe if you're a woman in here and you're like, I want to be married, I want to be married, I want to be married. Maybe God's trying to shift some of your perspective and values so you're only drawn to someone who's in the garden. And if you're a man and you want to be married and you're working this thing out, maybe the Lord is trying to get you in the garden where this is the number one priority. You're pursuing God. And remember, it's not the church. The church is a part and an element, but it's the presence of God. It's valuing the presence. So you read the Bible, you commit to church, you do these things to grow in your relationship with God. My story wasn't the typical story, but I did realize, as I said, there's something in every woman that's drawn to a man in the garden, and it just worked out. From day one, it was like it was so easy with Lindsay, and I hear all these stories, so many stories with people that are like, you know, it's hot and it's cold, and, you know, we love each other with this and that, and it's like all this back and forth. But I think if, as men, we commit to valuing the garden, as women, we commit to valuing the garden as well, and being drawn to that. Things are just way easier. They're so much easier. You don't, look, I, I told this to our young adult community. If you wouldn't marry potential, you shouldn't date potential. And if you wouldn't date potential, you shouldn't even entertain potential. But it's like we, we do it all the time. And then you end up in this place where you're like, uh, Lord, I don't know what to do. I just want to be married. It's like, I'm just trying to get you in the garden. Because that's where they're at. 
So stop focusing on the woman or the man and start focusing on the garden and you'll find them. Well, not both, but like if you're the woman, you'll find the man. If you're the man, it's another message. But it's in the garden. It's all in the garden. The Bible says in Matthew, I think it's 6.33, seek first his kingdom. It's the garden. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. He has them waiting for you in the garden. You got to get in the garden. So here's where I want to begin to land this plane. The story goes on. That's in Genesis 2. If you read Genesis 3, we, we talked about this too. At the, I think um, Genesis 2, 19, or at the end of it, it talks about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So remember, to make a long story short, God creates man, puts him in the garden, and there's these two trees he highlights. He says, you can eat from all the trees, every tree. So there wasn't just two. You can eat from all these trees, but these two in the middle, there's one specifically, excuse me, that you can't eat from. It's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the day that you eat of it, if you choose to do that, you'll surely die. So the story goes on. Adam and Eve are hanging out. Eve wanders to this tree because the fruit looks amazing. And the serpent, the enemy, Satan's right there. And he begins to entice her. says, you should eat this. It looks amazing. It's delicious. You should eat it. He's like, you know, that does look pretty good. And I'm pretty hungry. I really want to eat it. So he deceives her. He tricks her. She ends up eating it. And when she eats it, they realize they're naked and they go hide because they're ashamed and afraid. But can I just tell you something? At the end of Genesis 2, it says they were naked and unashamed and unafraid. They didn't become naked. It was how they were created. So the issue wasn't being naked. The issue was shame. And God begins to deal with this immediately. They eat the tree they feel this guilt and shame, and they go hide from God. Can I just tell you something? God never distances his, himself from you. You only distance yourself from God when you receive guilt and shame. But then God comes to address that right off the bat. Adam's hiding behind a bush like the creator of the universe can't see him. Like, come on, bro. Seriously? Like you hear the sound of God walking in the garden. You're like, I think I can hide behind this bush. So he hides. God's like, just for fun, where are you, Adam? <laughs> like, you know, when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. <laughs> He's just getting you to process. Are you? And then he says this, this question, who told you that you were naked? Yeah, I shared this a couple weeks ago with our church. Who told you you were naked? In other words, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm focused on. So why every time you make a mistake or you choose to live in rebellion or, or branch away from me, what makes you think you should hide and run from me? I'm, I'm never moving. Like who told you that you were naked? Not me. So he begins to address this, and I love this. Notice the first person God addresses when he deals with this and he curses. It's not man or woman. It's Satan. He's not as worried about your issues as you are. He's more concerned about guilt and shame and the thing in you that when you do make a mistake, wants to pull you away. Because can I just help you? We all make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say things to your husband or wife or 
You're going to do things if you're a student, whatever, you're going to gossip, you're going to get in trouble at school. Things are going to happen as you're on this journey, and God's not as concerned about the issue as he is the condition of the issue, which is guilt and shame and fear. This is what he's after, and this is what he wants to address. So I, I believe, even in this message, you could be listening to it, or maybe someone listens to a podcast later, and they hear this, and you're like, man... I haven't lived in the garden. I feel like that's my assignment. But as a man, I really haven't lived in the garden. Like, man, and, and can I just tell you, it's, it's the same thing. The same thing that, that will keep you from entering in or, or going back to or starting maybe for you today. Entering into the garden, it's guilt and shame and thinking you're so far away. Like I'm just so far away. From the creator of the universe? Like, who told you that? You're so far away. Like, you have, su- you have such a long way to go to connect with the presence of God, which, by the way, is all around you. Who told you? Look, men, your assignment's to be in the garden. Women, your assignment's to be in the garden, to be drawn to it. But can I even help you too in a marriage and in a relationship? That's why God calls the man a spiritual leader. So I'm, I'm talking to the men specifically right now. God told us we're spiritual leaders. If you have a problem, you have to take it up with him. <laughs> I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And, and it is what it is. You can argue it all you want. But God created man first. Then he created woman. We're created in a certain way that we carry a certain thing within us that's different. It's unique. They complement one each other. They complement one another. But if you're a man, you're called to lead. You're called to be first. Can I just tell you, like, this may jack with some of y'all, but I'll quote somebody else so it won't be on me. <laughs> but I, I listened to this pastor, and he said this before, that he's just like, hey, as a husband, you know why you're so frustrated with, with your wife? If you live in that place, you're like, man, at this relationship... I'm just really frustrated. As a man, I'm frustrated in this woman. He says it like this. God, gives, God never gives you a perfect woman because you're supposed to cultivate her. Whew. You're frustrated. Look, look I, I've dealt with this. I'll be honest. Me and Lindsay, we'll make her wave her hand so embarrass her. No, I'm just kidding. But, but this is life. There's tension. If you want to grow, you're going to have to have hard conversations. You're going to have to challenge one another. And I told her this the other day, that I think some of the greatest tension in our marriage has come because I, I, I've used this phrase. I'm not trying, I don't want to be your Holy Spirit. But the Lord is, that's good, actually, because I actually came from a place where it was like, I constantly wanted to help everybody and carry everything for everybody. And it's like, share everything. The Lord's like, hey, you're not everybody's Holy Spirit but you actually are your wife's spiritual leader. You're actually a pastor for your home. And so for me, I I feel like I lived in this tension until recently I read some of this in scripture and I listened to this pastor talk about it and I was like, man, I I just gotta lead. It's like if if I'm frustrated with something in my marriage, it might be because as a man, I'm not leading spiritually as much as I should be. And so it's like, it's such a beautiful process because obviously as a woman, you have your own relationship with God. You grow with God. You're amazing. You have your own unique gifts and talents and everything. 
But you are called to submit to that. And if your husband isn't leading, there's not a lot to submit to. Is this heavy? Because I'm, I'm just trying to share the truth. Men, you're called to guard, protect, and cultivate the garden. Women, you're, you're called to be drawn into that and, and cultivate your own relationship. But, but in a marriage, you're also called to be led. So the husband has to lead in that way. But if you're in this place and you think like, man, I'm just, I'm too far away. I haven't done it. What do I need to do? I, I got to step it up. All you have to do is make a choice today. Just say, you know what? One thing I'm not going to do right off the bat is live in guilt, shame, and fear. Because that's not what this message is about. That's not what the Bible's about. That's not what God is about. He's here to encourage you and challenge you to live in the presence and know if you seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added. So I'll, I'll just help you. I already said this. Two quick things. If you want to do it, it's, it's so easy. God's formulas are not complicated. If you want to, to cultivate, guard, and protect the presence of God, you can do two things. Read the word and commit to community in the church. That's it. The word is the seed. The garden, nothing will grow in the garden unless you plant seed. So you have to read this. You have to commit to this. Don't be overwhelmed. But you have to commit to that, commit to a couple things, to cultivating, guarding, and protecting the garden. Amen. Hey, let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you. Uh, we already said at the beginning of service, you, you're not the God of fear. You're not the God of confusion. You're not the God of doubt. You're the God of love and perfect love casts out all fear. So if any person in this room is dealing with, with fear or dealing with guilt and shame for their journey, I just pray you break it off now. Every day is a new start. You can be a new creation in Christ every single day. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.